Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm rolling. <laughs> Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 560. Feb 16, 2021. We got lucky on this day in 1981. It was 60 degrees. Oh. And it was 26 below in 1936. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny. From the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushiman. Joe, what? Take a look at your producer, oh, Chris Rivers. Tell me what oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Hat on, huh? Tattle well, <laughs> didn't take long, boys. Uh, the New York Times has obliged the country. Page two of today's Star Tribune. Climate change might be to blame for Texas cold. Knew it. Well, that was inevitable. Al Roker came on today with, I've been told, with a straight face and said this is all the result of global warming. Yep. The notion that the global phenomenon of a hotter planet could be sending a shocking cold wave into the south might seem nonsensical. Yes, it, it might seem so. And every cold snap can be counted on to elicit quips and stunts from those who deny the science of climate change. I guess I'm one of those, even though I believe the climate always changes. But the weather patterns that send freezing air from the polar vortex plunging all the way to the Gulf Coast could, like other forms of extreme weather, be linked to global warming. Note there's no certainty here, nor is there any evidence offered. Uh, Which is why climate scientist Catherine Hayhoe prefers the phrase global weirding. So this is, this is to be passed off for science now. We're to call this global weirding. Well, lady, it's always been weird then, if you want to look at it that way. Winter systems are influenced by many factors, including the natural variability that affects all weather systems. The planet's warming could be part of that icy blend, even when climate change is making winters mildly overall. Oh, God help us. The air that usually sits over the Arctic is now sweeping down south because of changes to the jet stream, the high-level air current. We know all that. There is research suggesting that Arctic warming is weakening the jet stream, allowing the cold air to escape to the south, especially when a blast of additional warming strikes the stratosphere and deforms the vortex. Well, I can't win against these people because they can out-gibberish me. Right. You can't, yeah, exactly. Logic will not uh, be able to counter that. Absolutely not. The bitter cold from the polar vortex has long been a part of the North American weather picture. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Amy Butler, a research scientist at the NOAA Chemical Sciences Lab, said that she has yet to find any long-term trend in polar vortex disruptions which occur naturally even, the abs- even in the absence of climate change. Okay, so we've got, we've got the could-be related to climate change already debunked in the same story. 
But Judah Cohen, director of seasonal forecasting at Atmospheric and Environmental Research, a company that provides information to clients about weather and climate-related risk. Let me stop right there. Wouldn't it behoove your company, pal, to always find some hysteria to point out? Otherwise, you're going to stop getting paid. Has identified general trends in winter storms. He was an author of a paper last year in the journal Nature Climate Change that found a sharp increase in northeast winter storms over the decade from 08 to 18. Uh, severe weather is warm. Severe winter weather is much more frequent when the Arctic is warmer, Cohen said. It's not in spite of climate change, but it's related to climate change. Well, okay, let's put that in garage logic terms. Of course, it's related to climate change as the climate has changed throughout the birth of the Earth. Of course, it's related to climate change. The climate is always changing. The current storm could be one of the most costly natural disasters of the year, he said, in part because of its unusual geography. Texas, which is known for hurricanes, is not known for snow and uh, cold damage. Well, yes, it is. I, I, I did the homework for you. Uh, yes, it is. Let's go to Texas. Home, uh, Texas, what the hell is this site? Oh, the Texas Almanac, their extreme weather records. Ready? Here we go. Mm -hmm. In Tulia, Texas, Feb 12, 1899, 23 below. In what? Seminole, 23 below. In, Se in Seminole, Texas, Feb 8, 1933, 23 below. Oh. Uh, all right. You want to go to, uh, let's go to snow. Greatest seasonal snowfall. Romero, Texas, in Hartley County, 1923 to 1924, 65 inches. Goodness. Greatest monthly snowfall in Texas? Hale Center, Texas. Feb, 1956. 36 inches. Greatest single storm? Hale Center, Texas. February 1 through 8, 1956. 33 inches of snow. Wow. Greatest snowfall in Texas in 24 hours? Cleburne, December 21 22, 1929. 26 inches. Greatest annual average? Uh, Vega in Oldham County, 24.2 inches, and maximum depth on the ground, that's back to Hale Center, Texas, Feb 5, 1956, 33 inches. And the uh, coldest ever record in Houston is not this uh, outbreak of cold weather. It was 15 below in Houston in 1930. Hmm. So what do GLers do to push back? Uh, every time you are told that this is climate change, you... While these records are still available, I encourage you to act fast. They're going to be taken down when it's realized by our Ministry of Life Improvement that uh, fools like me keep finding these records. They'll they'll remove them. I won't be able to find them uh, yeah, because you are happen. you are being uh, you are being convinced that this is all new and has never happened before. It happens all the time. Nothing has changed. Now we go to uh, Wayne sent me this. Uh, power outages in Texas from frozen wind turbines are being thawed by fossil fuels. <laughs> saw this video. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Here's a helicopter that's trying to de-ice a wind turbine propeller. Well, the helicopter runs on petroleum. Yep. So we're bringing out fleets of helicopters to attempt to de-ice the wind turbines, which will not provide you any electricity unless it's windy. <laughs> Right now in the metro, for example, there's not a breath of wind. 
In fact, isn't the chemical, or did you say that part? What's the chemical that they're yeah, using? They're, they're also using a chemical that's uh, petroleum-based. I suppose whatever you use to de-ice uh, airplane, airplane wings. Yeah. yeah. What do you use? We don't need to know, Chris. I, I, I'm the, curious. The, well, but all I want to know is, and I'm having it demonstrated to me, is that we're requiring fossil fuel vehicles to help de-thaw wind turbines. So green energy is useless right now in Florida, especially when solar panels are covered in snow. They don't, uh, they don't work. Coal works. Nuclear works. De-ice, natural gas works. De-icing fluid is a mixture of a chemical called glycol, and water is generally heated. Glycol. In sp- gly- glycol. glycol. That's antifreeze. Okay, yeah. there we yeah. go. Antifreeze. Yeah, Pardon yeah. Me. Although I will point out that when I um, searched, what do you use to de-ice a plane, I spelt it P-L-A-I-N. That a boy. Well, you'd have to de-ice, you know, many, many, many wide counties in Texas if you're going to de-ice a plane. Right. <laughs> Aaron writes, I just finished listening to the Feb 15 show. You were commenting on the unusability of electric cars in cold weather. You are 100% correct. About a year ago, my buddy and I traveled from St. Peter to Maple Grove to watch our kids participate in a robotics event. We took his electric car. It was a crisp February day with the temperature in the mid-20s. The kids advanced to the finals of the tournament, which meant we needed to stay for the award ceremony. By the time we left, the temperature dropped to below zero, and the wind was blowing from the southwest at a steady 20 to 30 miles an hour. As we exited onto Highway 169, I could see the driver start to get concerned. He turned down the heat in the car to conserve electricity. We reached Jordan, and the car warned us that the battery may not be sufficient to reach our final destination. He turned off the heat entirely. The wind and cold on the open plains of Highway 169 sucked the life out of the battery. As we rolled through Lesseur, the car warned us to reduce our speed to 45 miles an hour, or we wouldn't be able to reach our final destination. Five miles outside of St. Peter, his wife called his cell phone. He had his phone rooted through the car's Bluetooth. He picked up the phone and shouted, you're using up our battery, and hung up. The car warned us to reduce speeds to 15 miles an hour. We made it to St. Peter, and again, the car warned us to reduce our speed. We reached the last mile and a half of our adventure driving five miles an hour on the streets of St. Peter, praying to God that we would make it to his garage before the battery died completely. We rolled into his garage, and the battery reader read less than 1%. He plugged in the car and drove me and my son home in his gas-powered minivan. When an electric vehicle runs out of battery on the highway... You call a tow truck. When a gas-powered vehicle runs out of gas, you call a friend with a gas can, or better yet, pull into a gas station before you actually run out of gas. Thanks for a great show, Aaron and St. Peter. I just would have uh, preferred that I would have known what kind of electric vehicle they were talking about, but it doesn't make that much difference. Uh, they would all be the same in this kind of weather. So they're they're not they're certainly not my cup of tea. Uh, we also have news. We also have news. That, by the way, if you're listening from another part of the country, not my cup of tea is the pleasant Minnesota nice way of saying they suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the long stretch of sub-zero temps has rapidly increased ice coverage on Lake Superior. Wasn't it about two weeks ago that we had our annual Lake Superior update and we were very concerned because it was not frozen? 
Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. yep. Uh, the Star Tribune delivers that annual Lake Superior story like clockwork, and two weeks ago we were very, very nervous and upset that uh, Lake Superior didn't have enough ice. Okay. How is it today, Joe? Well, we're much closer to the 30-year average following historically low percentages of ice in January. In other words, nature took care of it. Nature came in and said, we're good. On Monday, nearly 32% of the lake had ice, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That's up from 7% a week ago. That's good news for ice anglers, aquatic life that depends on ice cover, and shorelines that could use a break from the battering of waves. Although the Great Lakes shipping industry prefers low ice for an easier start to the season in late March. In January, NOAA predicted Lake Superior would peak at 31% ice cover this year. Well, it's it's past that now. But by the end of the week, ice could cover 44% of the lake. Ice typically reaches its annual maximum in late Feb to early March. Last year, Lake Superior ice topped out at 22.6% on Feb 17. Uh, These cycles between high and low coverage are normal, but they are fluctuating more wildly than in years past. Well, of course, because you still have to sell me on your BS. On average, about half the lake is covered with ice at its maximum extent, though in recent decades, ice coverage has been much higher or lower than average. So what? (laughs) Researchers warn that consecutive low ice years could warm the lake, which brings the risk of harmful algae blooms in warm months that choke out aquatic life it can be toxic to humans well that that's not happening this winter uh, much of the newest ice is formed in the western half of the lake which like the rest of minnesota has been caught in the polar vortex uh, some notable recent ice growth has occurred between the north and south shores in the western nose of superior within and south of the apostle islands and between isle royal and mainland uh, minnesota and canada the national weather service's duluth office wrote monday It's important to remember ice is never 100% safe and that much of this ice is newly formed. Okay. Uh, uh, January had the second lowest ice cover for the lakes uh, since 1973. That's what God is talking about it two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. You you got a 10,000-year-old lake and you got a record for ice cover that goes back to 1973. Hardly reliable. January's warm conditions in open water did help bring down historically high lake levels that have increased erosion along shorelines. Lake Superior is about seven inches lower than it was at this time last year, according to the Army Corps of Engineers, and it could fall another two inches by March 12. Uh, Still, all the Great Lakes outside uh, Ontario remain well above monthly long-term averages. i got to go back to something. I'm, I'm discovering one of the problems we have in taking any of this seriously like the government itself the various agencies that have uh, anointed themselves as the keepers of the global warming crisis there are too many of them let's go back to the climate change story from the new york times uh you get uh uh you get the N, uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association Chemical Sciences Laboratory. You get the Atmospheric and Environmental Research. That's a private company. You get the nature climate j- change involved. Uh, you have Whatever all of these. Is. You have all of these agencies, uh, and they're they're like the government itself. They they cannot keep track. The right hand cannot keep track of what the left hand is doing and finally to wrap up your 
daily education on why this is all nonsense. Uh, great editorial in the Wall Street Journal today called A Deep Green Freeze. And we learn, uh, as we might, that gas and power prices have spiked across the central U.S. while Texas regulators ordered a rolling blackout Monday as an Arctic blast has frozen wind turbines. Herein is the paradox of the left's climate agenda. The less we use fossil fuels, the more we need them. I won't read the whole thing. It just goes on and on and on. Uh, while Texas is normally awash in gas and oil, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which oversees the state's wholesale power market, urged residents this weekend to conserve power to avoid outages. Regulators ration gas for commercial and industrial uses to ensure fuel for power plants and household heatings. Uh, okay, uh, Texas... Energy emergency could last all week as the weather is forecasted to remain frigid. My understanding is the wind turbines are all frozen, Public Utility Commission Chairman Deanne Walker said late last week. We are working already to try and ensure we have enough power, but it's taken a lot of coordination. Okay. Do you see what's happening here? Blame a perfect storm of bad government policy, timing, and weather. Coal and nuclear are the most reliable sources of power, but competition from heavily subsidized wind power and inexpensive natural gas combined with stricter emissions regulation has caused coal's share of Texas electricity to plunge by more than half in a decade to 18%. Wow. Because the Greens, the Greens are preventing the use of... of uh, Coal. China uh, continues to use uh, coal, by the way, uh, and yet we're, we're supposed to race to the Paris Accord so we can march in lockstep with our Chinese communist friends. But we have to do so on a private jet if we're going to get there. Right. Well, he's busy, right. Chris. Right. He's got to get there. He can't take a rowboat. No. Coal still accounts, are you ready for this? 60% of China's energy. And imports tripled in December. So they're buying our coal. We can't use it because we're trying to save the earth. But we'll save it, send it to China where they use it because they don't give a damn about saving the earth. <laughs> Coal still accounts for 60% of China's energy and imports tripled in December. China has some 250 gigawatts of coal-fired plants under development, enough to power all of Germany. Unlike Democrats in the U.S., Chinese leaders understand that fossil fuels are needed to support intermittent renewables. Power shortages and incredibly high spot gas prices this winter are reminding governments, businesses, and consumers of the importance of coal, a Wood McKenzie consultant told Reuters. California progressives long ago banished coal, but a heat wave last summer strained the state's power grid as wind flagged and solar ebbed in the evenings. After imposing rolling blackouts, grid regulators resorted to importing coal from Utah and running diesel emergency generators. God, <laughs> liberals claim that prices of renewables and fossil fuels are now comparable, which may be true due to subsidies, but they are no free lunch, as this week's energy emergency shows. The Biden administration's plan to banish fossil fuels is a greater existential threat to Americans than climate change. Here, here. Nice piece. <sighs> Isn't that something? It, it, we're yeah. just being so misled uh, by a movement that, that wishes to reconfigure life as we know it. It's called the mystery. And their last gasp at it has always been the environment. They've tried everything. 
They're up against the wall now. If they can bring it about using the environment, that's how the mystery will happen, and your life will change dramatically. And even if you still have an income, most of it will be going to pay for your utility bills and whatever is going to fuel your George Jetson automobile. <laughs> so we're screwed. We're screwed. All right. Good show. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. But you know what's, you what is pretty funny is watching the, the way that people are losing their minds. Um, and is it ERCOT? Is that the uh, the overriding uh, energy commission in Texas? I don't know. ERCOT? Yeah, people are not happy uh, mm-hmm. down down that way. Well, here's what's happening, and what and this this gives some ammunition to the hysterians, who are they're one and the same as mysterians, but they cry for hysteria. What you are seeing, undeniably, as a result of weather that's occurred throughout history, is just more and more people in harm's way. You know, when there was 22 inches of snow on the ground in Texas in 1909, there weren't a hell of a lot of people to worry about. But now you've got massive cities. You've got Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, Houston. They all demand extraordinary amounts of electricity. And the more the left wants to limit how you can produce electricity, the more you're going to have blackouts. It has nothing to do with the environment. Nothing. Can I get an amen? Yeah, you can get an amen. You have to give me a second. Amen. Hold on, I need to get an amen. Amen. I want an amen. 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 <laughs> Everybody. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Be here for a second joke. That was even better than one I was. That's messy with the delay we have. That yes, lag. Yes. Boy. What a disaster. <laughs> Amen. There we go. It sure Ooh. is Red Savoy pizza weather. I'll I mean, say. you curl up in front of the fire with a Red Savoy pizza, you've hit a home run. And right now, right now, right now, right now. Right now? Get right now? the app. Go to SavoyPizza.com or go on the Savoy app to build the large pizza you want. Add an order of wings to your order and use the promo code GL at checkout to get the wings for free. It's an online offer only. It's for us GLers, and it's for a limited time. So go give Red Savoy a try, but go online first, and you also bring home, you also bring home the wings. But that's Red Savoy Pizza, the original recipe since 1965, and now it's very convenient. Red Savoy is in Apple Valley, Blaine, Burnsville, Egan, Eden Prairie, Edina, Hugo, Lakeville, Go Lakeville, Osseo, Roseville, St. Louis Park, Downtown St. Paul in the Treasure Island building where the Wild Train, uh, White Bear Avenue in St. Paul, Snelling Avenue in St. Paul, Vadness Heights in Woodbury. This is the greatest pizza you'll ever taste. It's the original recipe from the original location from Red Schoenheider's Joint on 7th Street in St. Paul where that soda-style, S-O-T-A, pizza became invented and famous beginning in 1965. It's absolutely fantastic. Check out Red Savoy for yourself because this is Red Savoy weather right now. Yes, Kenny. And when we come back, Joe is going to tell us about Meghan Markle, the royal family, and Yoko Ono. We'll be right back. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. And he does have a very simple question for you. 
And that is, do you know what you own? You see, Mr. Money Talks clients, they always know what they own. And Josh has found that most people that he meets with on the phone every single day, they have no idea what they own. He has also seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds. And there are real instances of people paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make on the rate of return that these bonds currently yield. So Josh begs of you, know what you own. And later on in the program, we're going to hear from Mr. Money Talk himself, and he has some very insightful thoughts on de-urbanization and SPAC, so make sure you stick around for that. Trust is often overused, and it's even harder to find. Please, you can take it from me that you can trust Josh. So give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. Flashlight, check. Tool belt, check. Attitude, check. He's going in. Joe Souchere. So, there's a movement of foot GLers, and this time it's a good one. Well, it is, if you ask me, and it's gaining ground. There are counties here in Minnesota that have voted to make their county a Second Amendment sanctuary. Now, uh, yeah, the opponents are saying it's mostly symbolic, and yeah, I agree, but it's still a good sign. It's a sign that we as Minnesotans and GLers aren't going to sit back and let the hand ringers who live near the nation's tallest buildings trample our constitutional rights. Hallelujah, and get me to dkmags.com on Old 8 and New Brighton and Monticello Pond and Gun on 25 South and 94. Yeah, the sun came up today and DK Mags opened at 10 a.m. They stock firearms, ammo, accessories. They have a great knowledge, wonderful advice from a wonderful staff. And whether it's on the internet, dkmags.com, or over the phone or in person, they're there for you. Uh, for me, dealing with the men and women at DK Mags has always been delightful. From my very first purchase with them years ago, right up until, well, yesterday actually. Special orders, no big deal, and vets, law enforcement officers, officers, LEOs as we like to say. And first responders, they all get extra discounts. Tell them you're a GLer when you call or stop in, or uh, even log on to dkmags.com. And I, I am not the go-to person for advice. Uh, this is just an aside. The uh, the paid-for ad is over. But Such, I am not the go-to guy for advice on what to purchase for what reason. But I was recently asked, um, can I just walk into Fleet Farm and buy a shotgun? And the answer is, yeah, anybody yes. can do that. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. your Second Amendment right. Absolutely yeah. you can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but I would prefer you actually go to dkmags.com and, <laughs> and check it out. And plus, they have a nice selection of views there. You don't find that everywhere. So there you go. Now, uh, Meghan Markle, uh, the royal family, and, and Yoko Ono. Fill us in, Such. Give us the... I think, us, Meghan, uh, I think Meghan Markle is the Yoko Ono of the royal family. She's going to break them apart. Mm, interesting. Even though John will tell me that she didn't have anything to do with breaking the Beatles apart. You still don't bring your sea hag girlfriend to a band oh, practice, here okay? We go. Here we go. <laughs> didn't break up the Beatles, though, sorry. That was well underway before she showed up. Oh, well, John, did she accelerate? So the, uh, yeah, was, I know I am. John, was she the accelerant to the divorce? No, there was, no she had nothing to do with it. So. Yes, yeah, sure? she did. Yes, she did. No, she didn't. Yep, no, she, she divided did. John's attention. Nope. She was spoofed wonderfully in Spinal Tap. I mean, that was the Yoko own. Maybe you should do it, record it in Dublin. In Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chris, maybe you can ask answer Sarah's question. All right. Guys, I love the Feb 9 Sports Talk walk down memory lane to Michigan Tech in Houghton, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Feb 9 was... Last week. Uh, last week when we did Monday Night Sports Talk on a Tuesday. Yep. On Feb 9. <laughs> My brother-in-law played hockey at Tech back there in the mid-70s. I spent a summer there, summer there as a kid to keep my older sister, 19 years old, company, and it was probably my best summer ever. This question might be better answered by Chris. I really want my brother-in-law to hear that episode oh. and would like to just send him this via text message. Send him what? I think maybe she means send him instructions on how to listen to it? Yeah. Is this possible? And if so, how do I do it? I know I could show him in person or explain it over the phone how to listen to the show, but there is a lot going on right now. It would rather just send it to him. What do you got? She says, what do you got? Uh, why don't you forward me Sarah's email? Probably already deleted it. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll get it, to, we'll get it to Sarah. I can send her the link. That's not a problem. In fact, uh, it's, it goes to the, uh, give me your phone. That whole that whole bit. Well, I you know nothing against Sarah, but even I understand how this works. It's not that difficult. Well, Sarah, she's wondering it, how to send the link to her brother. Is what she's wondering. Send the link to the show, right? Well, all she has to do is tell him look it up on the on the interwebs. Oh boy. Or Chris, Chris, he's right. GarageLogic.com, right? Yeah. No, Monday Night Sports Talk is separate now from Garage Joe, Logic. quiet, quiet, no, quiet, Joe, it, it quiet. It shows up on the feed. GarageLogic.com and mm-hmm. scroll down. You'll find every day's episodes, yep. including Monday Night Sports Talk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy. Which, which needs to be released at 3 p.m. instead of 5 p.m. <laughs> We're going to have this discussion publicly, Reavers. Okay. 5 o'clock is too late to wait. Well, we don't want to bury that particular day's episode of Garage Logic. Oh, Maybe we should have had this conversation off the air. (laughs) Chris won, Kenny zero. (laughs) Three weeks before jury selection is scheduled to start in the trial of Derek Chauvin, it's uncertain who will pay for the security. Minnesota lawmakers hit a roadblock over how to come up with the estimated $35 million to secure the upcoming murder trial. On a 35-32 vote, Republican-controlled state Senate Push through its plan, forcing Minneapolis to pay the cost of outside police help. Minutes later, Democrats who control the House delayed a vote on a competing plan to create a state taxpayer-funded $35 million security account. Chauvin is accused, we all know that. Uh, preparations for the trial are not dependent on passage of this bill. House Majority Leader Ryan Winkler, DFL Golden Valley, told reporters after yanking the House bill from the floor late yesterday afternoon. The outcome is a setback to Governor Walls, who favors the House's proposal, meaning stick all the taxpayers in the state, even though Minneapolis screwed this up. With the legislature's next move unclear, a Walls spokesman said in an email that the state will adjust plans accordingly if the legislature doesn't pass this funding. Walls' administration has been signaling agreements with municipalities I'm sorry, has been signing agreements with municipalities for hundreds of police officers, though some cities and counties were said to be expecting payment providing for providing the aid. House Speaker Melissa Hortman said she did not have the commitment of at least 68 of her 70 members to vote for the bill and said Republicans told her that no GOP member would vote for it. At least, at least 68 votes are needed to pass a bill in the House. House DFL leaders have performed a balancing act 
adding police accountability measures to the bill to court Minneapolis Democrats. But the changes, including one requiring officers to follow model policies developed in part by the American Civil Liberties Union for handing public demonstrations, angered three police associations. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't go on with this. In other words, the the uh, the left in Minnesota wants all of us to pay for what they've really been selling hard as chaos. Uh, yeah. I'm puzzled right there. Why are you selling us so hard on the fact that the trial will result in such uh, cataclysmic behavior? We don't know that. We don't know that. And and if it does, what you're telling me now is you want police to follow certain protocols and procedures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you you want you want you want you want the chaos to happen. It just this time you might be willing to not allow buildings to burn down. So I, I don't know where to be on this except opposed to anything. The, the DFL wants, because why in the hell should you pay for what took place in Minneapolis when they completely screwed it up? It's their problem. And good luck to the taxpayers of Minneapolis. This is your problem. In a, Yeah, in a nutshell. Well, we'll pay for it, but uh, don't bring your guns to town. What do you Leave mean? Leave those guns at home. Joe, what do you mean when you say that you are, you, are you of the mind that you don't think that there will be chaos? At the time of this trial, well, they're they're setting it. They're what's the term I want? It's a uh, sid rule. They're setting up the loss, Joe. They're setting up a self fulfilling prophecy. Yep. They they they've been telling us for a month now. Walls particularly. Whoa, it's going to be terrible. We need thirty five million dollars for extra help. We need help. Yeah, you're talking about a city whose incompetent leaders have cried all summer about getting rid of the police only to turn around now and ask for more money to recoup police. You don't even know what they're doing in Minneapolis. But you want, you know, you want the guy in Wadena to pay for your security for the Chauvin trial. You know what I would have done? I don't know why I, I, I would have to ask a lawyer. Why didn't they just move the damn trial? Why don't you move the trial somewhere where it's, you know, in, in remote... South Dakota didn't and have the trial. That? They discussed that, didn't they not, John? They did uh, early, but I can't remember. Was it a thing the judge said no to? I believe it was. I I'll, check so. I'll check Joe, on that. Joe, sla- is this the DFL slapping the hand or the face of the governor? No, the DFL's on the governor's side. In the DFL majority house, Democratic leaders decided to hold off on the vote on their version of the legislation, which Republicans and some Democrats were expected to vote against. They can't get the people in their own party to agree to vote for it. Okay, then my suspicion that would be outstate DFLers who know perfectly well that their constituents will balk at this. As they should. Right, right. What do you, you know, Representative... Anderson, what are you telling me? I'm I'm out here in, uh, you know, Sticksville, and you're telling me I'm going to pay for part of this security for the trial? No way. Well, the the rural lawmakers are picking up on that. Your urban lawmakers don't care. They want you to pay for it. Show some respect. It's not Sticksville. It's Hooterville. 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 Would it it matter, though, where the trial is taking place in terms of the, the behavior of the general public? Yeah, because these hypocrites aren't going to drive 400 miles to throw snowballs at a courthouse. No, but I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't matter if it takes place in downtown Minneapolis or Kansas City. The people here are still going to react because they're going to know the outcome of the trial either way. Well, maybe He's got a point. Yeah, Maybe so. 
The uh, judge did reject defense requests to move the trial, so it wasn't a prosecution thing. The defense asked to move it, and the judge said, no, they'd all be tried here. Okay, thank mm -hmm. you. So, mm -hmm. uh, from the get-go, I've been puzzled as to why, and it's the governor in particular, why is he setting up the trial as such a major, I guess... <laughs> Well, let me put myself in his shoes. I guess we've reached the point where that presumably is what we are to anticipate. We are to anticipate that uh, there are too many of us who are not going to allow the judicial system to run its course. There are too many of us who will not accept the outcome of a verdict. There are too many of us will, who will introduce euphemistic phrases about social justice and what have you. And you're back to a situation where the only outcome that's going to satisfy the angry mob is to find Chauvin guilty. But what if you don't? Then you have a, cr a crowd that is not prepared to accept that. The other thing, Joe, I think you should consider, I know it's tough for us to step back, but this is a international news story it's ah, you're not right, a, a you're local right. news story it's going to be yes. chaos in every level no matter what happens yeah and this is going to bring the portland antifa crowd into town and uh, yeah yeah well i hope the republicans the independent republican party prevails in that uh, not all of us are going to have to pay for this it doesn't seem reasonable i suppose it seems reasonable if you want to preserve Minneapolis from burning down again, uh, I guess we can all be made to understand that we can't let that happen. But it's going to happen if these people don't get the verdict they want. How do you handle that question? Well, I would be willing to go out on a limb and say Minneapolis is going to burn no matter what the verdict is. I agree. I agree. Uh, but because I think this is a prime opportunity for all the bad guys in the country to converge in one spot. In about three weeks' time. And uh, I think we need... Do I want to say that? Well, <laughs> no, use your editing cues. Use I your could, editing um, cues. I'm going to... No, let's back up. Cut the tape, Chris. Let's uh, <laughs> start over 20 seconds ago. Joe, I can't even handle the concept of math discussion yesterday. This is so frustratingly damnable. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the idea that math is, is in and of itself racist because it's based in white patriarchy. These people have no concept of math. Its source, its growth, its path in human history. Jesus, God, I'm praying. Math in its origin is so based in non-white human history, it's comical that anyone think it's based in any way in white patriarchy or Anglo-Saxon in any sense. Math is routinely referred to as the universal language because math and numbers know no language, culture, or ethnicity. We have lost our minds. Anybody who argues math is biased in any sense should be pointed out, comically ostracized, and laughed out of the room. And this is the part we've lost. Tell them you are dumb. You need to read a few entry-level books about human history. Do not pretend you have the authority to influence the human future without understanding its past. Good luck to all of us, my Lord, Jesse. Well, he's right. There's no... Uh, yeah, yeah. A pie in the face of anybody who su suggests otherwise. Please, just shut up. And Mike wants us to know that Nikkel Beatty uh, has been written about in the Toronto Sun. 
While I'm glad to see more articles about this story, I still cannot understand how little local coverage this has gotten. Keep fighting the good fight on this until I hear of the school punishing this lying fraud, or at the very least, him publicly apologizing to the police. I, like you, am not willing to let this go. His Instagram apology prior to deleting his account was complete BS. Be a man, own what you did, and make things right with a real apology. You want to be Jesse Smollett. Uh, and then he linked me to the uh, to the uh, piece in the Toronto Sun, which was impugning police becomes a danger to the public. This was Marty from Hill Valley sent that in. He's absolutely he's absolutely correct. And uh, Jason wants me to know we're in trouble. Really. <laughs> Good morning, sir. Yesterday, my wife and I had an appointment at Abbott Northwestern. Pregnancy issues. Anyway, I was not allowed to accompany my wife during the test to see if we needed to have the baby with an emergency procedure. Well, there I sat in the parking garage with the car running, with people oh. walking all around and staring at me in the car. Oh. I haven't felt that level of discomfort sitting in a vehicle since Iraq. Anyway, once the tests were completed, I was then allowed to talk with the doctor. What's the difference if I sit with my wife the whole time or only for an hour? Anyway, I finally saw the doctor. I saw it. Anyway, I finally saw it. The doctor wearing two masks and a face shield. I can't come to grips with that. So crazy. Well, we will be headed back in a couple of weeks to have our child around a month early, and I'm looking forward to trying a red Savoy pizza. Little ray of hope in a bad situation. All right. Oh, don't use yeah. my name on this. Did I? I don't think so. I said that was Mike. <laughs> that was Mike. Yeah, that neighborhood, not the best, and sitting in that parking ramp, uh, no, not oh. cool. I can't believe they advised him to do that. But Well, I think his larger point is, you're going to let me be in there with you for an hour, but somehow you've decided they can't be with you the whole time. Yeah. What, what, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. Yeah. It, it makes no sense any more than the... Uh, than Rochelle Walensky, who we listened to yesterday, interviewed oh. by Jake Tapper. Oh, my word. John, you heard that gibberish. I did listen yesterday. It, yes. it was just uh, just preposterous. I, I have no idea where mm -hmm. we want to be on that. Why don't we come back with John Height in his newsroom? Okay. Yeah. I have been a client of the Canopy Group for five years, and at my last renewal, they are still saving me money. Patrick Ricey here to talk to you about your home and auto insurance. How long have you been with your current insurance company? When was the last time your agent called you and said they could save you money and get you better coverage? This just happened to me. Truly, it did. Each year, the Canopy Group reviews my home and auto insurance with their 16 companies. This year, they saved me an additional $791. How? Because the Canopy Group is keeping an eye on my insurance needs and making sure I am always with with the right insurance provider. Paying less and getting more is a concept I like. I can't promise that you'll save $791, but I can promise you they'll give you options. They'll even tell you if you should stay where you are with that company. Do what I did and contact them at thecanopygroup.com. That's thecanopygroup.com. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life, Joe Souchere. Here's a guy that's going to celebrate Fat Tuesday with our friends from Harmony Spirits, and I might have to stop in at 30 Bales and try that Garage Logic Manhattan at 30 Bales, courtesy of Harmony Spirits, because, you know, Lent is tomorrow. 
HarmonySpirits.net is the website, by the way. When you go there, please do us a favor and sign up for that monthly newsletter. And there, that's free, by the way, they will select every single month, the, the folks at Harmony, they select one person to receive a bottle for absolutely free just by signing up for that monthly newsletter. But actually what they would mostly like you to do is continue to go into your local liquor store, GLers, and ask for the Harmony brand by name. Doesn't matter if it's the gin, the vodka, the rum, the bourbon, the barrel strength bourbon. Oh my goodness, what a lineup. Uh, Ask for the Harmony brand by name at your local liquor store. At Harmony Spirits on Twitter as well. Please stop in at the tasting room and tell them you heard about it right here on the Garage Logic Podcast. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. This update brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Store. The pandemic and civil unrest after the death of George Floyd slowed down a push here in Minnesota for a new constitutional amendment. That amendment was aimed at narrowing the achievement gap between students of color and white students. However, supporters of the amendment say those uh, same two events are emphasizing the need for the amendment and are planning to move forward. The proposed constitutional amendment is known as The Page Amendment, the reason for that, former Minnesota Supreme Court Justice and Minnesota Viking Alan Page now heads the Page Education Foundation and is the prime mover behind that amendment. Research by the Minneapolis Federal Reserve last year found that 37% of low-income students are proficient in math and reading. That compares to 65% of students from families with higher incomes. They also found only 30% of black students perform at grade level, compared to 65% of white students. The bill is authored by DFL Representative Hodan Hassan of Minneapolis, along with several DFL and Republican co-authors. Uh, co-author Representative Ron Kresha, a Republican from Little Falls, said the students have a right to a quality education. They already have a right to an education, but let's make that education one of quality. While the constitutional amendment has bipartisan legislative support, it's opposed by the state's teachers union, Education Minnesota. Well, how does uh, Alan uh, uh, believe he's going to uh, uh, fix this problem? I, I don't know the uh, the particulars of the Page Amendment. I think uh, basically it's just as a pledge, right? As the stuff I've read about it. I, so I again, know, right? again, you're telling me uh, that Minnesota education essentially then is telling me we don't provide a quality education. Well, Education Minnesota <laughs> is against this uh-huh. amendment. They don't want this amendment. So no, they're not saying that. But the people right. proposing well, it obviously are. Doesn't it just sound like a whole lot of fluff and window decoration and nothing of substance? Right. It's like yeah. due north. Due north, exactly. <laughs> means nothing. Yeah, and until we... I would think Alan Page, of all people, would want all kids of all races to be equally educated, right? Of course he does. Of course he does. I mean, he doesn't want to give a certain group a break and say, well, let these guys through, uh, let these guys through on the easy because they're black i think alan might err i think alan might err on the side of believing in equity as as we discussed yesterday i would like to motion that we uh change do north to do lieutenant dan have Have legs legs in real life life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) well it makes as much sense as that Minnesota Department of Health is urging Minnesotans to not let their guard down as more cases of the highly contagious UK variant of COVID-19 have been detected in the state. State health officials say they've identified an additional 22 cases of this variant known as B117, bringing the state's total to 40. 
new study shows some COVID-19 patients end up with damage to their brains. Oh, shedding, good. good. Shedding new light good. on how the virus impacts the human body. Some COVID-19 patients report non-respiratory symptoms also after contracting the virus, including headaches, delirium, and mental fog. A team of the National Institutes of Health used special high-powered brain scans to look at the brains of people who died after contracting COVID-19. The researchers examined 19 brains. People who died, they ranged in age from 5 to 73 years old. Uh, bright spots visible on their brain scans represented areas of inflammation. Dark spots represented bleeding on the brain, which they said was likely a result of blood vessels leaking hmm. from COVID-19. Oh, that doesn't sound good at all. It really doesn't. I actually have that audio. explains oh. explains me for, uh, since last <laughs> fall when we we all know I had it. I actually have audio of that scan. They go to Tannen scan to get that done, mm-hmm. right, Johnny? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Second Harvest Heartland says they've seen a 30% increase in demand over the past year because of COVID-19. Food Shelf Partners have seen a 60% increase in people seeking help. A new bill has been introduced now in the Minnesota House to help food banks continue to address the growing need. Legislation would provide an extra two and a half million bucks for the Farm to Food Shelf program over the next two years. Through that program, food banks work with farmers to get local milk and produce. Skip by the story. Excuse me, Joe had this one. Oh, my mouse isn't working. By the way, Hang I'd on. like to point out Second Talk Harvest Heartland. Second Harvest Heartland. They do fantastic work. I was involved in a couple of charities with those guys years ago. They are a really, really good organization. All right, support them. Yeah, I will. The Lincoln Project, a group of Republicans who opposed the re-election of Donald Trump, played a major role in politics the last couple of years. Now they've announced they'll be moving forward with its work while it deals with allegations of sexual harassment by one of the co-founders, John Weaver. The anti-Trump political action committee said Monday night it's hired a law firm to investigate the claims after several members, including co-founders Jennifer Horn and Steve Schmidt, resigned amid the fallout. The group said in a statement, the Lincoln Project will continue producing and distributing our content and commentary while these reviews are being conducted. We are operating at full capacity. Those reviews refer not just to the investigation into the allegations that Weaver sent sexually charged messages to more than 20 young men, including former Lincoln Project employees. The project statement said it's also brought in outside counsel and consultants to, in their words, strengthen their corporate governance, finance, and operational structure. Despite the pledge to continue with their work, the group's website had ceased accepting new donations. First noticed on Saturday, the link on the group's website meant to direct supporters to the donations page now leads to a message that says, inactive. Fox News reached out to the Lincoln Project asking if there are plans to reactivate that page. It didn't respond. A group had also removed a page that included biographies of all the Lincoln Project co-founders, including Weaver. Most of the country is on alert for snow, ice, and bitter cold. As about 70% of the lower 48s are covered by snow, that's the highest level in a decade. The South still digging out from snow and ice that hit earlier this week, closing vaccination sites, bringing roads to a standstill. But now a second storm is closing in. Overnight, a storm brought several reported tornadoes to Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina. At least three people were killed from a twister in North Carolina. That same storm is moving through the northeast on Tuesday with ice and snow for inland areas. Additional snow and ice will hit northern New England, where 6 to 10 inches of snow is possible through Tuesday afternoon. Meanwhile, a record-breaking cold snap slamming the south. The temperature in Dallas fell to 1 below on Tuesday. 
the coldest since 1989. In Lawton, Oklahoma, the temp plunged to 12 below, an all-time record low. The wind chill dropped to 12 below in Little Rock, Arkansas, and 11 below in Dallas, Texas. Those conditions in the south, bad not only for regular drivers. I might have seen this story with pictures. Uh, even the salt truck drivers are having departments and te- uh, problems. Excuse me. The Tennessee Department of Transportation said one of their salt trucks was clearing roads and laying down salt when it hit a patch of black ice and rolled over. Mm. It happened on SR 269 wow. near mile marker 12. The driver was just fine. I can pinpoint that exactly. SR2, mile marker 12. Yeah, I know just where that is. You got that? Yep. No, 269. So 269. You're off a couple of markers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Couple, yeah. Couple markers. Is that a scenic what drive ha- there, Joe? Is it a scenic drive? I think drive? it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. What have we learned as homeowners about this winter and particularly what's happened here in the last week? What How we, much have more? We learned? Electricity ain't penny cheap. We need. We all need generators, the big ones. I don't And we all need... We all need wood stoves. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, don't have, I don't have either. You don't have to, Joe, but when the bleep hits the fan, uh, you are not invited to Jackass Estates uh, up here in Hooterville. <laughs> <laughs> you are not invited. <laughs> I like that. Your arrival will be met with violence. Kenny, you're Ooh. over there on Maine, right? They're on Maine, Kenny. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of power and all that fun stuff, the frigid weather in the south-central U.S. continues to plague North Dakota's electric cooperatives, many of whom are dealing with power outages Tuesday morning or seeking to curb loads in other ways under directives from a regional grid operator. Capital Electric Cooperative, which serves parts of Burley and Sheridan counties, said at least one-third of its 21,000 members were without power at one point from Bismarck to Wilton. The co-op said the outages are rolling, seem to last about 45 minutes before the lights come back on, while others remain in the dark. Spokesperson for the company, Wes Ingbrecht, said, quote, we had no warning of this at all. Nor does Capital Electric have control over those who loses power and when. That's all managed through one of its power suppliers, the Western Area Power Administration, or WAPA. WAPA is a member of the grid operator known as the Southwest Power Pool, which said Tuesday it is requiring controlled interruptions of electric service throughout its 14-state region, and that uh, does include areas of North Dakota stretching all the way to Texas. John, I thought WAPA was a Cardi B song. Am I wrong (laughs) about that? (laughs) No. Uh, Have any of you guys done any research or seen anything about uh, the blackouts in Austin where the... White privileged neighborhoods have power, and the poor neighborhoods do not. I've not seen any. All right, I just saw one thing on a Twitter account. So, well, you, you know, I guess I, I I wondered privately when climate change is going to become racist at some point. I mean, it's bound to happen, right? Oh, it already. I think it already has. Okay, it's it's racist. Joe's Joe's had that. I think that story for a while. Yeah, Yeah, just yesterday, wasn't it? Weren't isn't the Biden team exploring that? I think they are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, past election and everything going on with Republicans has torn apart families in a lot of areas, as we know, friends, families, uh, even families of politicians. Illinois Republican Representative Adam Kinzinger has released a handwritten letter he received from a number of his relatives calling him a disappointment to God and a stain on the family's name for backing the impeachment of Donald Trump. 
Kissinger told the New York Times he received the note just two days after he called for Trump to be removed from office. It was written by 11 members of his extended family. He was accused in the letter of being in cahoots with, quote, the devil's army for publicly opposing President Trump. I thought that was the Kiss Army. Uh, <laughs> there, I don't know. The letter was written by his cousin, who uh, is a Republican uh, uh, official. Uh, she is 42 years old, and she sent it to Republicans all around the U.S. Kin uh, Kinsinger says uh, he's not too worried about it. He'll just continue on. I'm not finding any evidence of... Uh uh, disparities in who has a rolling blackout and who doesn't in Austin, although uh, it is noted that downtown Austin is completely lit up while uh, most of the surrounding areas are not. All right. Hmm. Thank you. I uh, remember Amy Cooper. She's the yes. gal who uh, yes. yeah. falsely accused an African-American birder in Central Park of threatening her. Well, charges against her have now been dismissed after she finished up a therapeutic educational program that included instruction about racial biases. Cooper's dispute with the bird watcher, Christian Cooper, no relation, made news last spring after video of the woman showed her calling the police and telling them, quote, an African-American man is threatening my life. The video showed no such threat and showed her to be lying on the phone call. The video of the encounter posted by Mr. Cooper's sister on Twitter has been watched more than 45 million times. In Boston, a Beacon Hill barber is lucky to be alive after he accidentally stabbed himself in the chest with his own pair of shears. 29-year-old Steve Silva was cutting Max Cohen's hair when he tripped and fell on oh. top of the scissors. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Cohen, Cohen said he was walking around the back of the chair. You know, they go to cut the other side of your head. And all of a sudden, I saw him on the floor, and I looked out, and I see a lot of blood. The freak accident happened oh. last Friday at Boston Barber and Tattoo Company's Bowden Street location. It was captured by video surveillance. On the video, you can see Silva's colleagues rush to his aid, and Cohen run off frame to grab something to help compress the wound. Cohen says he talked to Silva until first responders arrived. The Boston University freshman credits his quick thinking to some emergency training he took in high school. Uh, he describes Silva as one of his best employees, and because of the impact the pandemic has had on the business, Silva also one of the few on the payroll. It looks like he will be okay. There is a GoFundMe page hoping to raise money to help Silva pay his hospital bills. John, what was the name of that uh, place again? Uh, that was called Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Joe? What do you say hmm? we swing over to Massachusetts, Joe, and get Zucci some boy? haircuts? What do you I'm got? just thinking that's a tough way for a barber to go, you know, falling on your own scissors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, really difficult to explain You're that. Right. You're right. <laughs> How about, Joe, after we get our haircut at the uh, Boston Barber and Tattoo Shop, we swing over for lunch at the Super World Buffet. Not eating anywhere with the name World in it. <laughs> I had to send that one to you over the weekend. Uh, I would like uh, chicken chow mein, All right. uh, yep. spaghetti, okay, okay, uh, walleye, sure. and a, uh, a burrito, cabbage yeah, rolls, <laughs> yeah, and some cabbage, elephant uh, tongue, yeah. <laughs> borscht, oh. and uh, a side of muskrat. Yeah, right. thank you. Yeah. At least 30 Taliban militants have died in Afghanistan after they blew themselves up during oh, a bomb-making class. That's that too boy. bad. Yeah, that's the a shame. 
Kama Press News Agency said the fighters died when IEDs they were learning to build exploded inside a mosque. The blast happened on Saturday morning at a mosque in the village of Qaltaq in the Dalatabad district of Balkh province. The fighters uh-huh. included six foreign nationals. Oh, boy. A very sad story here that should serve as a lesson to elderly golfers everywhere. In 83... <clears throat> <clears throat> I don't I'm want to listening. Name any names, Kenny, but uh, an 83-year-old man has drowned at a golf course in Florida. The individual had entered a pond to try to retrieve his hat while playing around at the Wycliffe Golf <laughs> Country Club in Wellington. Oh my God! Really? What did a gator get him? No, uh, no, he drowned. He just drowned. He was 83. He had some problems. Well, apparently. what do you mean? Did he go in over his but, head? What? Well, did, reporting did he, isn't what he used he fall to be. Hang on, there's, there's more to the did story he, here. Did he fall asleep in the water? Deputies told the Palm Beach Post that at some point the man walked in but started to thrash around and went underwater. The newspaper, citing police, reported that the man was playing golf with three other people and one golfer near the scene tried to rescue him without any success. The individual's body later was found about 15 to 20 feet from the bank. Stop laughing, Kenny. Well, then he had to be dragged by a gator, That's, maybe. That has to be what happened. Well, at 10 to 15 feet of water, and he was 83, maybe he just couldn't muster the strength to, you know, get himself just, out of water. You know what, I, I, I would have just said, time to get a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, the way you chase balls, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I don't know. know. I reached down for a ball at the edge of a pond in Florida a couple years ago, and my hand was six inches from a gator that I did not even see. Oh, yikes. It was a juvenile, juvenile gator. I don't think it could have done anything. Well, that doesn't count if it was a baby gator. Right, right. I'm just trying to picture his buddy, uh, also his age, (laughs) trying to rescue him and then realizing, nah, I'm out. You're on your own, pal. (laughs) No, he reaches out with a wedge, which wasn't long enough, and the drowning guy goes, no, driver, driver. Right. (laughs) A group of Egyptian and American wait, wait, wait. archaeologists. Sorry, John. Sorry, John. Sorry, John. Yeah, yeah. Let's sure. just say the show, and we'll include Patrick. We were out golfing. Uh, who's going in after any one of us? Because I think we all got to weigh our <laughs> no. options. You this know? is no. This is like Top Gear or Grand Tour. When one of them breaks down, everybody goes, "Oh, that's too bad." See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the AAA number. <laughs> A group of Egyptian and American archaeologists think they've unearthed the world's oldest high-production brewery in the ancient city of Abydos, a sacred burial ground also known for its temples to Egyptian deities. The site, which is said to date back to the first dynastic period between 3150 and 2613 B.C., was found to contain 40 pottery basins divided into eight large rolls that were used to produce beer. Well, how do we know it was beer? Well, researchers believe the beer was likely used during royal rituals, including sacrificial rites. Deborah Vishik of Princeton University said the brewery was capable of producing around 22.4 liters of beer at a time. Yeah, but how do we know it was beer? I, I suppose, Joe, they have some way of... They have a test for that? Finding she out took my beer. Yeah. yeah, that's that's how we knew. That's right. Did they drink this beer during Lent, John? That's no. been a discussion. No. Oh, yeah. Well, they they said they wouldn't, but then they did on the first day. Right so. away, first yes. day. Yeah. Started yeah. immediately. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Egypt's Ministry of Tourism and Antiquities, meanwhile, noted the evidence of this brewery was first discovered years ago. However, the British researchers were unable to determine its exact location until now. You guys ever heard of something called revenge bedtime procrastination? I have not. It's a new term. 
Well, it's a new term, but Dr. Rajkumar Dasgupta, mm-hmm. the assistant professor of clinical medicine at the University of Southern California Keck School of Medicine, says revenge bedtime procrastination is just a cry from overworked people. They're actually trying to put off bedtime a little bit so they can reclaim time for themselves. So in other words, they say they're oh, going to bed. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're going to bed at 9 o'clock, but they've had such a busy day, and they put up with the kids and work and everything that they sit, and they oh, stare at their phone for four hours and go through social media. My wife is very of guilty of this. Yes. I'm going to go to bed really? by 10, and then she's still up at 11.45 doing whatever. Yeah. Huh. Uh, a, co- a common theme, according to the doctors, is uh, that you spend uh, several hours scrolling through social media, even though you didn't intend to, because you feel you deserve the time. That means, of course, you don't get enough sleep. Not getting enough sleep leads to sleep deprivation, which can affect your mental and physical health, says Dr. Dasgupta. He said some common consequences, decreased productivity, and a rise in cortisol, a stress hormone. When you go to bed significantly later and wake up around your usual time, you risk accumulating sleep debt. If you think you can catch up on that in weekends, you cannot, by the way. People fail to offset the effects of poor sleep during the week. Uh, doing snacking, weight gain, and disrupted rhythms by sleeping in on the weekends. That doesn't work, but basically makes you chubbier. John, it seems, uh, it seems yeah. to me it didn't need a name. Uh, it's just called going to bed late. I, I'm John, not sure we uh, need to come up with a name. Doctor, what was his name? Dasgupta? Uh, Dasgupta? Rajkumar Dasgupta. Dasgupta. Does he say anything about what if there's something on your phone that helps you? <laughs> no. Nope. No. Sleepy. Nope. Um, I'm going to move right right along here. If there's like an app or a website. Nope. 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 I don't have my phone anywhere near me when I go to bed. I'd rather read a book. Well, you're not supposed to have it near you. That'll just give you more Samer theory juice. Uh, You know, the the, the electronic radar comes off there and gets in your head. (laughs) Thanks, Cliff. Yep. I use it for my alarm, though, so I have to have it nearby, but I never look at yeah. it. Never As look at I. it in, yeah. in the bedroom. And knowing so that, John, that's why I usually like to send you a text uh, oh, about one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. Boy, oh, does that make I learned a lesson. Do not send angry. John a text at 4.30 in the morning. Oh. He does not like that. Well, it's it's mostly because of the heat I get from somebody else in the house after it dings. <laughs> that's why I don't But I'm like wide it. awake. I've been up for an hour, and I've got a lot of coffee in me, and I've got questions, John. <laughs> I have questions. I have questions. <laughs> a teacher in Central Florida found herself behind bars after police say she fought with a group of students at a fast food restaurant following a high school basketball game. WFLA-TV reported the incident took place Friday in Bartow, where a group of students were involved in an altercation at the game. Afterwards, they all went to the area McDonald's to eat. At the restaurant, LaQuindella Clark, a teacher in Polk County and the mother of another teen who was involved in the first altercation, approached the group and began arguing with them. Clark was removed from the restaurant but waited in the parking lot, allegedly began to physically fight the group. Police said Clark hit one student in the face, took off her wig, and struck a second student in the head. It's <laughs> the only reason I picked this story. Was the story. That's, that's how you know they're mad when they take the wig off and throw it on the ground. <laughs> Maybe it was somebody who was Gorilla Glue. Ooh. Oh, God, that story. As a hairspray. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, witnesses called police who arrived and arrested Clark. Uh, she faces charges of child abuse in the case. Officials have not said if she will be suspended from her teaching position pending an investigation. John, thank you. You're welcome.
Are you a soup uh, connoisseur, John? Oh, I love soup. Well, you know, at Grunhofer's right now, this weather has really inspired people to do a lot of soup cooking, so there's all kinds of uh, soup bones ready. Soup meats are in stock. They're selling fast at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, as well as that new Spencer brat creation, the spinach, bacon, and mozzarella brat. It's fresh out of the kitchen and and available now at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. They're creating 400 pounds per week of their delicious original meatloaf and the town ball meatloaf and the Minnesota meatloaf. And uh, for those of you who might not eat like Reavers, there are new one-pound containers, but don't worry, Grunhofer still provides that meatloaf in the conventional two-pound size. This is uh, Meatertainment. This is the Garage Logic Meat Emporium of all time. It's on Highway 61, right at the north end of Hugo. Steaks, burgers, brats, salmon, seasoning, you name it. It's all there. Soup bones and hocks and all those words you need to make really great soup. They're all at Grunhofer's. Uh, and as long as you're there, and there's no watch right now, there's no Reaver's watch, so you're safe You're safe for a meatloaf. The meatloaf, the town ball meatloaf, which is bacon and uh, cheese, and the new Minnesota meatloaf, which is wild rice and mushrooms. Also that latest brat creation, the spinach, bacon, mozzarella brat. All at Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. It's at Hugo, right on the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. What's up, Johnny? You know, before we go to break, I just wanted to tell you, you asked me about soup. I had a Twitter conversation with our old buddy John Sharkman the other day. Yeah. Have you guys have you guys ever heard of something called Bornschup? Uh-oh. A German dish? No. You take everything in your fridge that's extra. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vegetables, meat, whatever. whatever. A little broth, you throw all that in, you season as you go along, and you cook it. Isn't that a mulligan stew? I thought that was a mulligan stew. I guess it'd be the same thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that wasn't very... Yeah. I I know, Joe, you want to move on, but John missed one, uh, and Uh maybe it's just because, Joe, you won't give him the time that he needs, but there (laughs) there was a death in the jazz world. Oh, yeah, you know, I didn't, well, it's been a few days, maybe. Chick Corea? Yeah. 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 Brilliant, brilliant musician. He was only 79. And and huge in terms of influence. He played with Miles after Miles went electric. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, brilliant musician. That's all. There you go. Okay. All right, thank you. you. All right. Thank you. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Do you recall we gave uh, our Garage Logic pianist Stephen Anderson a little plug last week because he played a Valentine's oh, yeah. gig at the uh, Indian Head Supper Club in Balsam Lake? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, Jeff in Roseville said, Sometime last week you plugged an appearance for the official Garage Logic piano player Stephen C. Anderson on Valentine's Day at a place called. The Indian Head Supper Club in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. It sounded like a neat place, so my wife and I made the trip on Sunday, and it was not a disappointment. The food was fantastic. The staff was great. The ambiance is really cool. Steven C.'s piano playing was cool. I even chatted with him for a few minutes and made sure to tell both he and the owner that we they were there because we heard about it on Garage Logic. Nice. Thanks for the heads up. I highly recommend making cool. the trip to Balsam Lake to visit this fine GL establishment. Mm, Man, nice. it would have been a fun evening, wouldn't it? I, I took the bride to the Old World Buffet 
<laughs> and uh, what'd you have? Uh, carp? <laughs> Muskrat. Bullhead? <laughs> Joe, Marty writes, I got a head start on you and started with one bird feeder in April. Then he sent me pics. I caution you on this. The CP was on board until the fifth feeder showed up. Yeah, yeah. And he took a picture out his window, and he's just got a uh, an arrangement of bird feeders. I can't wait to get mine up, but the ground's so too frozen. It gets away from you fast. I went from one, I now have four. And, well, you have property. Uh, you have property. These little bastards, they're so ungrateful, <laughs> uh, and they just really plow through the food. Yeah. And then you've got the squirrels trespassing. Something needs to be done about the trespassers. <laughs> Downing notes, uh, interestingly, in itself, this is just a tiny innocuous comment, but it so well illustrates the divide between the two Americas that it jumped off the page at me and I felt compelled to share. On the cover of this past Sunday's Parade magazine is the multi-talented Bette Midler, the divine Miss M, who has a long career on stage and screen and as a recording artist. Here's how the story inside begins. It's never too late to learn something new. On the week of her 75th birthday in December, Bette Midler was sitting in the kitchen of her country home, located outside New York City, talking by Zoom with Parade about her latest discovery, the seasons. I've never seen them change before, she said. We're normally in the city, which is all steel, glass, and brick. But since the lockdown, we've been up here and went through spring, summer, and autumn. Three of the most extraordinary seasons. Nature, she said. Who knew? And Downing notes, at least half the damn country, that's who knew. Uh, he doesn't mean to single out Miss Midler, but this is so perfectly illustrates the divide between the people who live closest to the country, tallest buildings, and the rest of us. Isn't that amazing? I, well, uh, I have heard this same thing from several entertainers in interviews I've read because really? they're either on the road or whatever, and they say they've never had time to just enjoy what's going on around yeah. them. Yeah, well, I think she's well, a fruitcake. Was, well, was it a stab <laughs> at being funny? Yeah, I'm sure she's she. Uh, but but Downey I mean, has need a to, great observation. No, no, we don't. No real person would make that observation. But <laughs> well, exactly, and I think that's isn't God, you're putting me in the position of defending Bat. Yeah, uh, she's just trying to be funny. I think. Yeah, well, she failed miserably. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Only all right. because they come to us all the way from Marloth <laughs> Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa. On this day in 1860, the Minnesota State Agricultural Society is incorporated, replacing the Territorial Society that had previously existed. And on this day in 1864, the Waseca County Horse Thief Detectives are organized in Wilton, one of several such settler colonist groups that would continue to hold social meetings after 1880, and when horse thieving became a thing of the past, it would focus its energies on tracing stolen cars. I didn't huh. know that. I wonder if it still exists. Look it up, Reavers, the Waseca County Horse Thief Detectives. All right. Does it still exist? I bet it doesn't, unless it exists now as a social club. Kind of like the groundhog people out in Punxsutawney, or the Minnesota Vulcans, or the <clears throat> Boreas and his queen. Maybe it's just a social club. The Waseca County Horse Thief Detectives was organized in 1864 after a gang was constantly... 
it does not appear that they are still in operation. I wouldn't think. Well, no, let me correct that, please. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sorry, Chris. Okay. No, that, please do. Please do. I just found a CARE 11 thing says the Waseca County horse thief detectives organized in 1864 are no longer chasing bandits, but they do still meet. And then there is a link to a story that must have run on CARE 11, I'm guessing. Huh. Well, they're like the Moose Lodge or something then. They became yeah, probably a, what it sounds like. a social club. The Royal right? Order of the Water Buffaloes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Royal Order of the Square Blue oh, Table. Look, that's, look that's at Fred this. and Barney. We what, had the John? 155th annual meeting this past July 4th. Oh, we for missed the Waseca it. County Horse Thief Detectives, covered wow. by KEYC in Waseca. And there's a gentleman with a big handlebar mustache and a cowboy hat. Hey, on hey, hey, hey. So. KEYC is out of Mankato. Get it straight, bud. Oh, sorry. That's okay. 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 That'd be a neat group to be a <laughs> member of. That's a club I could like to be joined with. You don't do rural bleep. Oh, quote <laughs> you. Thanks, GLers. By the way, a little fun, fun fact. Uh, not good enough to work at KYC in Mankato, but got hired by GL. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. You know. Now that you bring it up, I think I got turned down at a place called Z99. Hey, Mankato's hit music station, Z99.1 FM. Hit the road, city boy. You're not wanted here. (laughs) Weavers, go cover the horse thieves meeting. Hey, in St. Paul, Paul, we're up to 10 degrees. Really? Double digits. Thank God, finally. Hey, please uh, do us a favor and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search... For Garage Logic, you can also find all of our social media platforms at the website, which is, of course, garagelogic.com. And please download that PodMN app. It's that time of the show, GLers, where we check in with our guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. He's on the line with us right now. And GLers, do yourself a favor and call Josh for that free, yes, I said it free, 48-minute financial consultation. And you can do so by calling 952-925-5608. When you call that number, you're going to get Josh. With straight talk, you're never going to get sugar-coated advice. And he's on the line with us right now. And Josh, you'd like to touch on Bitcoin. I know a lot of GLers are interested in the world of Bitcoin. Take it away, sir. I don't get it, Chris. Coin, I didn't get it when it was $50. I still don't get it when it's $50,000. Because to me, there's nothing backing Bitcoin. I mean, I understand gold. Not something that I would invest in. Heck, you could put take all the gold, put it in one room, and it wouldn't do anything. I'd sooner own a company that is manufacturing a product or service that's got growing sales and growing earnings. But Bitcoin, you can trade it. You can actually spend it. And there are a number of companies that are are willing to take it for certain types of transactions. Indeed, many companies have it on their balance sheets and that has helped fuel their stock rise. Witness Tesla. Today, MicroStrategies reported they have a significant amount of Bitcoin in their, their portfolio. PayPal and Square 
have been accepting Bitcoin, and since PayPal and since Bitcoin's move up, Square and PayPal have increased in value almost a hundred dollars a share each. That's pretty significant. One of the first companies to deal in Bitcoin, Overstock, or it used to be called Overstock.com, has dealt in Bitcoin for years. That's one of the few companies that hasn't seen their stock rise significantly. And then there's a little fact uh, that deals with some Bitcoin marathon tech. It seems like Bitcoin, when it touches a company, causes that company to rise. Now, conversely, should Bitcoin decline in value, that definitely is going to hurt these companies. Now, I know there are some people that say Bitcoin is now going to be an acceptable currency, but given the kind of volatility that's around Bitcoin, I mean, over several years, that's a fairly significant move, we'll say going from $5 to $50,000. And there are people that are investing in it, betting that it's going to go up to $100,000. That is not because there are many other places to me that I can put money where I have the potential to double my value with, to me, far less risk. Be careful with Bitcoin or any other type of asset where there's nothing significantly behind it. All right, and that's the kind of sound advice that you will get each and every time that you give Mr. Money Talk a call. Do it today, GLers, for that free, yes, again, I said it free, 48-minute financial consultation. Call 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. To get to the man himself, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. Thanks so much for the time, Josh. We'll chat with you again on Thursday. Okay, Chris. Thanks. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.